This is Single AF 101, a dating podcast for everyone. I know it's been a little while, but welcome back. As you already know, today we will be discussing sexual trauma. I recorded this episode in hopes of it being educational to those who haven't experienced sexual trauma and helpful to those who have. And even though this topic may be intimidating to some, I encourage you to listen as my guests and I talk about our experiences, coping mechanisms, and how sexual trauma ties into dating and general social interaction. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get right into it. All right, my name is Shalonda, and I am 28 years old, and I am a professional, well, I'm a future professional cosmetologist student at Paul Mitchell School, San Antonio, and I also don't work. Well, you're in school, though. Yeah, that's not my job. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> you're not just sitting around, though. Uh, my name is Tristan Stewart. I'm a network engineer over at Lackland Air Force Base. I'm 40 years old. I've uh, been in San Antonio for four years now. Where were you before? I was in Germany before that. For how many years? Uh, Germany for six, the UK Hawaii. for five, yeah, Hawaii. Wait, what that. years were you in Germany? Uh, you were there too? From yeah. 2009 till I came here, 2014. So we were in Germany at the same time. Were we? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't like, know I was just getting there and you probably were just leaving. Yeah, at 14, I was leaving uh, to come here. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, so today we're going to talk about sexual trauma, which is a little bit harder harder of a discussion, I think, to have, um, just because of the sensitivity of it. I'm also assuming that it probably isn't a hard thing. It is a hard thing to uh, listen to as well. But today's the day. We're going to get into it. Um, so you suggested the topic. So what made you want to suggest it when you told me about it? I want to suggest the topic because of my my goal that I have for my just my life goal is to be able to help other people go through um, the healing process and not feel as alone. I guess you can say because I went through it when I was in the military. I was at Air Force for um, nine years and then I got medically retired for PTSD um, for MST, which is military sexual trauma. And so I want to create a nonprofit to help people. Uh, basically with the healing process because it is very hard and very yeah. painful sometimes and you feel very alone yeah and I want to create a platform where people don't have to feel so alone yeah see I didn't know all of that either yeah, about your either. about your program yeah. Um, yeah I didn't know this I was like no it's really inspiring and I'm so mm-hmm. proud it makes me like excited to support you in it I mean either way I would have you know but obviously when there's <coughs> more meaning behind it it helps which makes sense because that's what it's all about so as far as education on this from my experience I didn't have any growing up my mom never talked about sex 
which I'm glad because I think that would have been really awkward. But like now, being older and experiencing the different situations that I've been in, I think that she was just really upfront and like blunt about how difficult it could be to deal with situations that you get hurt through that are sexual or in relationships in general or whatever. I think that would have been helpful. Like I needed to be shocked when I was little so that when I grew up, I wouldn't think that it was just all fun and games. Girl, yes, I definitely agree because my mom, she was one of those people where it'd be like, we can't even say the word sex. It has to be having flower. That was her term. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So she's like, oh, just to refer to it as having flower. I'm like, mom, I'm 16 years old. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know now, like years later, I know that what she kind of went through like a really bad situation. So I understand why she's the way she is. But she was mm-hmm. very PG related, like PG with everything. Yeah. Yeah. More G. So, but my dad, on the other hand, was like super X-rated. He was like, "Okay, this is the birds and the bees talk," and he pulled up a, pe- a penis picture in front of me and my brother and sister, and was like, "This is the average size of a penis." And we're like, "How did the- you print that out? We were like, seven, huh? Where did you get that from? It was on LimeWire or something like that. You know those things yeah. back okay. in the day." Yeah. <laughs> But it was really, um, it was shocking, I guess, at first. But he kind of gave us the, he was the one who we talked to about everything. Yeah. And uh, he was also the one who, um, how you say, I guess he was like the gateway to that whole life. Mm-hmm. But he was, he didn't do that great of a job, in my opinion, because, you know, he's still my dad and I'm still his baby girl. So he's still trying to be protective. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. still trying to educate me. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you growing up? Um, my mom was super strict. She was a single mom. We had five kids. Mm-hmm. So learning about sex, I didn't have sex until I was 22. So oh, wow. yeah. why, people, why is that a big deal? Because it's just like, like damn, it's like, a big thing. Like, no, it's an accomplishment. Ooh, like, <laughs> no, I'm like, that's good. Nah, yeah. so, um, no, I just, my older brother and older sister both had kids when they were like in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, nope, I won't be doing yeah. that. So I kind of waited. But yeah. Uh, I guess anticipation, the first time, you you know, you have intercourse or whatever, I thought it was going to be totally different than what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like two seconds. I felt embarrassed. Uh, I kind of hid in the bathroom for a little bit, thinking the girl was going to leave, but she didn't. So, you know, kind of. Yeah, she would go. No, nah, she was. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> she didn't leave. But no, it's, we were, my mom was, you know, she was very church driven. So. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about it. And my mom was a nurse, so if she really wanted to explain it to her, she could be like, sit yeah. down, this is what it is. But yeah. she was like, you see what your older brother and sister did? Like, yeah, they had sex. That. So I was like, yep, I got your mom. So that was <laughs> how we were grew That's how I grew up anyway. So yeah. it wasn't talked about or spoken about that much. Yeah, so. well, my mom did try. So let me not say that because she does listen to my podcast. She did try. I was like in third grade or something like that, third through fifth, one of those three. And she, I don't know what made her do this. And I kind of want to ask why I went because I'm pretty sure my other sisters didn't do this. I had like, they had like a class, like an after school thing where we all went and we kind of like talked about it. It was just a whole bunch of kids and we're talking about it. And all the other kids participated. But whenever they would ask me a question, I would immediately like, feel so uncomfortable and I would just make it as a joke like oh haha I don't know the answer you know whatever because um, I felt so uncomfortable that's like all I remember about it I don't remember ever learning anything but my mom tried but I guess because she didn't know how she tried to help me learn through that class or whatever but 
It was extremely uncomfortable having that. I think it was because I was having that conversation in front of so many other people. And that early? Like, yeah. Was I wasn't even thinking about that. I didn't have my first yeah, kiss till eighth grade. So I'm like, and I was, so I'm just like, why are we having this conversation right now? Like, yeah, it's like, not relevant to my life. I haven't even started my period yet. Like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, that's the only thing that I remember. After that, I don't. Um, I do remember the first time I told my mom I had sex, though, because I thought I was going to get caught anyway. <laughs> so I told her, and she, was, she didn't make a big deal out of it. She was super chill about it. And I was like, thank God. Um, and how old were you? I was 16. It was like the end of my, or maybe like the oh, what, are we some, you? Are we I was some a senior. senior. I was like, I, yeah, I, was, I think I was 15. I was a junior. Damn. Yeah. Well, I, mine was bad because the guy was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And so obviously he was over the age of 18. I think he was like oh, 21 yeah. or something. So my parents were really upset about it. But I didn't understand when I was a kid, you know, about the whole statutory thing. Yeah. I was like, why y'all hating on my boyfriend? I think your is a grown man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah, to me, that I, I can imagine my daughter, she just turned 15. Like, she'd come to me telling me she, I'd be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. This is super embarrassing, but I'm gonna tell y'all anyway, and everybody can listen, obviously, because y'all can hear me. But um, so I wasn't even like, I don't know, I just didn't want to die a virgin, and I was like, I could What? <laughs> what? <laughs> he was my boyfriend though, so it's not like I just had sex with just anybody. But I because I have like this thing where I, so nobody close to me has ever passed away. I'm like one of us. It might be me. Might we gonna die eventually? So I'm like, and I, but I don't know. I've always thought that way. But that's why I live my life to the fullest extent. Cause I'm like, I could literally die tomorrow, especially with everything in the news and everything like that. I'm like, let me not so be, true. you know. I need to just. But at 16, you thought. Yeah, bus, I didn't want to die virgin. I was like, I need to try this out before I die. But anyway, um, so that was that. I, I mean, it was like. The experience, I got hurt by it, but I think that, I mean, I'm still single, so it's not like I would have had sex with the person that I most likely was going to marry unless I waited, like, years after that. So it probably would have been the same situation anyway. Um, I guess. <laughs> well, so you never know. <laughs> you never know. You can't yet. go back. Uh, yeah. Sure can't. But, um, no, I mean, I didn't really, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that big. It wasn't, it could have been worse, I think. But, anyways, not that we've discussed all that. So, as far as you were telling me in the military, y'all have classes. Mm-hmm. on it so what's up with that so they start that like as soon as y'all get in there it's like a required thing like how do they go about well um, he could probably give the history of it and then I can give the cur- most current cause you okay, yeah. yeah you should do you it in a lot, like, well the history we never received it until I don't know I, I want to say like maybe 03 it was required that you had to take it it yeah. wasn't but it wasn't always required no it was like I can't get into details like hey you know just don't do yeah. Whatever's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But or, did you guys have, like, slideshows and interactive, like... No, this is how we were taught. Like, basically, the guys in boot camp, you get shown, like, sexually transmitted disease pictures. Like, okay, wear condoms pretty much. Oh, sorry. Um, protect yourself. That's how you were taught. It wasn't like, hey, be sensitive or don't do this. It wasn't... That wasn't taught. It was just basically, hey, don't catch a disease. Yeah. Wear condoms. That was pretty much, I guess... Sapper training before it was, you know, actual. I mean, it was. If you just saw those pictures, you would have thought it was terrible. Be like, oh yeah, let me just strap up next time. So, um, but that's the extent we were taught. I don't know about the females, but that's what we were taught. And then it wasn't until later it actually came in. Hey, you have to actually take the sensitivity training. Blah 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 blah. So, for us, it was just make sure you wear a condom. That was it. It wasn't. Yeah. 
harassment that hadn't. So you can see the it. evolution of the whole sexual yeah. uh, assaulting culture in the military. That was how it was back then, and what we're taught now is like it's classes, it's interactive classes. You got to have certificates signed off. Like I think is. I don't know if it's twice a year, but I know we we have like a full day sometimes yeah. committed to that. What do y'all talk about? Everything. We have scenario uh, training, like role playing or whatever, and then it's like uh, statistics, and then it's um. I was a facilitator when I was stationed in Germany for one of them, and I remember my piece specifically was the uh, male part because usually it's always you know the women reports, it's only women report, and it's not that many men reporting, and so when I was doing research on it, because you know I had to like present it and everything, it was like really eye-opening because I didn't think it was like so many men going through the same thing and like the hazing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and it's just like it's just crazy and so I also know that I have um like exes who have also mm-hmm. told me that they've gone through stuff when they were younger but they don't say anything about it now so I'm like that's crazy like they need support just like we do so yeah. you know so I think the training now in the military, a lot of people are annoyed by it, but it's very necessary because of the, the, the I guess, like the mindset about it. It's like, yeah. oh, you report something, you're the one that's, it's something wrong with you. So. Yeah, so you feel like the class is beneficial, though? I think like it's it, beneficial. Yeah. And if people listen to it and interact in it, then it would be beneficial to them, too. Yeah. So, um, so your daughter is, you said she's about to be 15. She's 15. She's 15. Yeah. So she's been in school for as long as you can remember, obviously, because you've had her your whole life, or her whole, her whole life. Yeah. So when she was in school, did they ever require her to take any classes in regards to that? I don't think. I mean, I think in junior high, she had to take some kind of sexual, some MPE, like they took it alongside that, but yeah. it wasn't. I mean, nowadays kids can just look up anything. That's it's true. Like, that's not shocking to them. They probably know more than we do. Well, yeah, but still, you want to educate them on right. their Well, yeah, I life. mean, my thing is don't have sex. Like, that's what I teach my daughter. Like, that was, that's not me. Well, I know, but I mean, hey, treat, you want somebody to treat you like I treat you. Like, period. If you know I want to do something, or your siblings, or I'm not your siblings, your aunts, uncles, cousins, or anything like that, that's what you want. But you don't go out there, hey, you know, be prude or something. No, you just like, hey, if something happens where you don't want it to happen, make sure you tell either myself or your mom. Yeah. And the relationship that I have with my daughter is like, she'll probably tell her mom first. If it was something bad, then she'd be like, yeah, dad, this happened. But I don't teach her, like, I mean, you look out for this guy. I mean, I don't know these kids nowadays, but, but like I said, they're, they have access to things we didn't have when we were younger. So, mm-hmm. like I said, she may know more about things than I do. I mean... Not to say that she does, but she she has the ability to learn about the stuff. I mean, I don't know what her mom tells her uh, since we're separated, but she might be telling her something totally different. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's being smart about decisions of who she's with or we all friends. Or, right. You think that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, got, I have to. I'm a dad. Like, I don't want to think, like. Does she, your daughter live here? No, nah, she lives in Virginia. Okay. So, um, oh, she was here. Like, it'd be different. Like, yeah, she'd be right here. Like, yeah, sit down. <laughs> you going on no date? Don't ask. My dad is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, how old is your How old are your kids? My son is eight, and my daughter is three. So, have you ever had any conversation with your son? 
I do have conversations with him. I have conversations with the both of them because of basically what I went through. And I let him know. I'm like, hey, if someone comes to talk to you, you know, the whole stranger danger talk. But I also make sure, like, whenever I'm going to help change them or something, I make sure I ask them, hey, is it okay if I take a shirt off? That kind of thing. Because they need to be mm-hmm. used to that kind of thing. And just like when they go to doctor's appointments, the doctors, I make sure they, well, they know to ask. They're like, hey, is it okay if I, you know, and I'm that's good. That's yeah. what they're supposed that to do. That is really good. Yeah, I, never I was never about that. Yeah, me either. See, I'm about to educate you. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a nanny, and I just kids are curious. So little girl be trying to like, if I have my towel on, if I'm in my room, she just comes bother me. She be trying to put my towel on. I'm like, girl, but I'm like, well, you walk around naked all the time, so I have to understand how you would think that that was something that was okay. Mm-hmm. But you can't just be pulling off people's towels. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I really didn't think about it until. Like what you just said, like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's very important, and that's so simple of a thing to yeah. to teach. Also, yeah, because yeah. kids are very innocent; they don't know any better. And I will be. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, yeah. I'll be damned <laughs> if someone do touch my kids in in a way that they're not supposed to. So, yeah. I always make sure they know what permission is and what permission, like, yeah, how to say no. Even though my son is a little too nice sometimes to strangers, but <laughs> yeah. we're working on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but do you want to talk about your experience, or do you not feel comfortable? Oh, yeah, I can. So the reason I can is because of therapy, years of it. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? Um. Well, I would say I'm not gonna go like into too much detail. Yeah. It's a long story, but basically, what happened was in the military, you have like a hierarchy or whatever chain of command, and I was a staff sergeant, so I had four stripes. So. My fourth stripe, I was on probation because me and my ex-husband used to argue all the time. This was when I, I was in Germany. And basically, the protocol, we got into an argument that night in the house. And uh, we were already separated, but I lived there because I needed a place to stay temporarily because of my apartment. The lady was crazy. Anyway, so fast forward, we got into an argument. Um, and my his first sergeant showed up because we, we made like a really loud noise or whatever. Mm-hmm. His first sergeant was two of them, and then mine showed up by himself. And that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have another first sergeant with you. So I didn't know that at the time. So yeah. basically, um, they made us clean up, you know, because I broke glass. I was a little, you know, angry back in the day. I know it's, you know, it's cool, though. I'm working on it. Um, but anyway, so fast forward, because I don't want to go into too, too much detail, but... Um, the first sergeant said that we had to split up for the night because we did get into an argument. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, it's still my t- my turn with, with uh, Malia, my daughter. And so he was like, well, I'll just go to your apartment. Like, me and him were fine. Like, once the cops came, we were just like, okay, hush. Let's not say nothing. But yeah. they kind of put two and two together. So um, his first sergeants, I guess they took him away. And I didn't know that they had left. And so I eventually heard the house it was really quiet so i'm thinking oh okay everybody's gone right no everybody was not gone my daughter was upstairs sleeping or something like that she was either asleep or she was like up in her crib or something i don't know and basically what happened was he my first sergeant stayed behind and he was in uniform in his first sergeant uniform with all his stripes and he told me um like you you're basically in trouble because of what happened here tonight and i'm like well we didn't tell you guys anything like i I never said i broke the glass or i did this like we didn't tell them anything we didn't tell the cops anything so it's like how am i in trouble for something that i didn't tell y'all and so he was like well just tell me what happened 
and I can probably help you. So I was like, okay, well, this is my first sergeant. And usual first sergeants, they're supposed to give you that whole daddy, like, I'm your whatever type of... Yeah, you can of. talk to me about anything, yeah. Right, you know, that kind of thing. So I trusted him because he's a first sergeant. And before that night, I had talked to him maybe two or three times because he was new, he was fairly new. Mm-hmm. And he was always professional. There was nothing. I never got any kind of, like, weird vibe at all from him. So... Um, when he was speaking to me, I was like, okay, maybe I can trust him. So I told him, I was like, yeah, I broke some of the glass here. We were arguing about this, this, and that. And so he was like, well, it looks like I'm just going to have to report this to the commander. And I was like, okay, right? I mean, I still don't think I did anything wrong. The commander specifically told me if I did this, this, and this, then my strike would be taken away. So He was like, well, no, we can make it to where it will, your strike will get taken away. And so basically he was like, I'm, I can ruin your career. You're going to be kicked out of the military. Basically using his, his rank and everything to make me do something that night that I did not want to do. And when I went to bed after he left, because he basically was like, he, before he, I remember specifically when he was walking out the house, he said, um, you don't have anything to lose. I have everything to lose. So just remember that. And then he left. And I was just like, what the heck? So I went upstairs to the room and I laid in the bed and I just felt so weird. So, so weird. And I didn't know if I, I was like, did I just do something wrong? Did he do something wrong? I had no idea what was going on, right? So fast forward, um, I had to stay in a hotel because I was afraid. Like, um, I had to move apartments because I was afraid. Like, they moved, um, apparently I think they moved him. They moved him to a different squadron, but I still never went back to that building. Mm-hmm. But when I when I they made me go back to the building one day to go see my commander, and like I had the worst anxiety in the world. I never had anxiety before the situation. It was really bad. Um, so basically, they were like, "Well, you can leave. You can you can go to the states, and you don't have to be here and be afraid." Because every time I'm looking over my shoulder, like for a gray minivan, I'm like, "Oh my god," it's because I had already reported him. Um, mm-hmm. I had to wear a wire. To go talk to him, to get him to uh, to confess, like it was crazy, um, and it was very nerve wracking. I bet it was bad. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna cry now. But anyways, so fast forward, in, you know, somewhere I'm here in Lackland, and a whole year later we had the trial, and that trial was probably the worst thing I've ever gone through in my entire life, and they definitely warned me to not go in there while my friends were testifying but I just could not help it and I did anyway and my friends I was like what are you talking about like my one friend she just she said something that had nothing to do with the case nothing that I talked to her about ever and she just made up something because she just felt like you know that's what I told her at the time I'm like listen if you didn't remember then just say you don't remember don't make up something it's not helping so yeah (laughs) um but yeah, apparently he was telling everybody that I was get. He was an older white man. He was telling everybody I was ghetto, and I was attacking him and trying to get, you know, trying to give him a blowjob and stuff. And I'm like, what would I gain out of that? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So um, the closing argument was uh, his lawyer, his defense attorney, or whatever, and like I almost lost my shit like he was just going on she doesn't respect herself you know she's oh the defense attorney yeah he was like closing argument saying i don't respect myself saying i'm here just just because i'm like i flew all the way to germany for a just because case like what would i gain from this absolutely nothing yeah so except for more freaking anxiety which i did so um but yeah, that was, I guess, the story in a nutshell. There's a lot more details yeah. to it. But um, basically, he definitely um, 
cannot do it to anyone else because he actually did target someone before me. He targeted the same type of younger black woman going through a divorce Mm -hmm. and in trouble with her command. The same type. But he didn't, he wasn't able to do what he was trying to do. Me and her friends to this day. Um, So she was at the trial with you? Yeah, but they didn't let her talk because of some, like, legal legal stuff. I don't know. But they didn't let her speak. And I feel like if they would have let her speak, then they would have seen that he's a predator and he's yeah, preying he on type. certain yeah. type yeah. of people because he knows, like, he's an older white man. No one's going to listen to me. So, um, anyways, but my whole goal in reporting it because I was, like, really – it took me a few days. I'm like, do I want to report this? Do I not? Because yeah. my, my sapper lady, the response team, she was like, well, you know, if you report this – it's going to be, you're going to be scrutinized. It's going to be a lot of eyes on you. Like, this is something really big. This is a first sergeant. And, yeah. you know, you're you're a, you know, a staff sergeant who is in trouble a lot. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, give me a few days. Yeah. Um, but I realized I was like, um, I don't want him to do this to anybody else. So regardless if I win or not, I'm going to accomplish that. Because either way, I think he's going to be too spooked to do it to anyone else, yeah. even if we don't win the trial. Yeah, that's but, true. We won the trial. He didn't have to register as a sexual offender, even though I wanted him to. Mm-hmm. But he still got in trouble and lost like a million dollars in retirement and everything like that. And they kicked him out. But the whole per- the whole point was is that I didn't want him to do it to anybody else. And he doesn't have that opportunity yeah. anymore. So um, when you said the lady uh, was telling you about all the things that were going to happen if you decided to speak up, do you feel like that the way that she approached that was? Like, now, looking back, do you agree with the way that... I mean, obviously, she has to tell you, but the way that she told you, it sounds like that would be intimidating. Yeah. It was very intimidating, but she didn't tell me in an intimidating way. It yeah. was more so, like, informative because okay. they hadn't had a case like that where there was a first sergeant versus, you know, a younger woman mm-hmm. going through whatever was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she just wanted me to be be really clear and, yeah. like, understand, like, what is about to happen specifically. So, yeah. and, I mean, she was right. She was telling me, like, your command is probably going to try and recommend you for stuff that you, you know, and it was... That sounds hard. It was really hard. And not even over there. When I came here to Lackland, my supervisor here made my life a living hell. Yeah. Like, they treated me like I was oh uh, a crazy person. I was in the inpatient psych ward. Um, it was it was a lot of stuff. I I was cutting my arm. My my scars are healing now, but um, it was a lot. And it was. And how many? You said that was last year, or that trial was last year? The trial was when was the trial? Dang, I hate years. Um, I think it was 2017 because the thing it happened uh, April of 2016. Okay. I think. So it was last year. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was last year. I don't know. The trial would have been last year, but it's almost the end of this year, though, so. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so it's been a I'm while. really bad with time. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, that's what that's what happened. So, you know, I have, I was medically retired for PTSD because I just couldn't do it. I couldn't be in the uniform every day and walking around with other people in the uniform knowing that someone in that same uniform violated me. Yeah. It was just like, I'm done, so. Do you know, is there, does that happen often with um, with women that you know from being in the military? I'm not in the military, so I wouldn't know. Um, I think it, it happens often because of what Tristan just said, how the, how the training went from just that to what it is now. Yeah. yeah. They're raising more awareness because more people are reporting. And I think even some more men are reporting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important because it is happening, especially with the whole TI thing recently, right? That's true. Wait, what? Uh, the TIs in boot camp were sexually oh, assaulting. Not the rapper. No, 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 I'm sorry. Technical instructors. Yeah, drama. The ones that yell at you in your face and like, 
to give me 50 push-ups yeah. those people so wait what happened with that it was just that, you know, people in power, positions of power, yeah. they were using that against young people. And that just came out on the news recently? It's no. like the last year was really big. Oh, yeah. okay. It's been, I want to say, consistent for a couple of years. But yeah. But thank you for talking about that. I know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what inspired my uh, the nonprofit because I felt really lonely and I want people to yeah. not feel that way. So... Hopefully everything can get up and running. I came up with the name for it finally. What is it? It is Loves, L-V-E-S, Lone Victim to Empowered Survivor. Mm. And we are working on it um, every day. So Good. Yeah, it's going to be all inclusive to people that is in the military, active duty, veterans, mm-hmm. people who don't have health care, who can't afford health care, because I have so many friends that saying, oh, I need to talk to a therapist about it, but yeah. I can't afford I'm like, well, there should be a place for you. Like, there is for alcoholics, AA, there should be a place for But isn't the, I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but isn't, I guess, like, the VA, aren't they, like, starting some kind of mental health, like, kick? Girl, you know like, I'm in, I go to the VA. Right, I know, I, I mean, I think, I've been medically retired since January, and I have yet to speak to a therapist. They keep oh, sending okay. me to a psychologist for medicine. I don't want that medicine. I've right. already told them that medicine doesn't work. And then the group therapy that they send me to is not like the kind I was in in the military. Group therapy, when I was in the military, we were all around in a circle, and we were talking. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, it's a class. They're just reading a book. Like, it's really bad. And mm-hmm. it's like, someone needs to do something about it, because it's pretty garbage oh i thought they had established a different way of actually like a whole mental health like i guess division or something like that from the va because a lot of people were having the same issue just with ptsd in general yeah i thought they had established they do have a ptsd section up in the mental health like right next to it in frank tahita yeah because um speaking of therapy so i went to utsa and apparently I had access to like four free therapy sessions. Nobody ever told me about that. I didn't find out until I graduated because my friend went. So I was like, I'm paying for that. And y'all don't even let me know that I have that option. There's probably so many people in school who are just stressed out and going through whatever. And we have that available to us and nobody wants to say anything about it. I feel like that would be one thing that needs to be mentioned uh, among. They don't say that in orientation? No. Oh, wow. No, they're not going to go through everything that we're going for. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes they like, oh, you know, you may have this, or you just, they yeah. have it in a paragraph no. somewhere embedded deep. Mm-mm. Um, nope. Um, okay, so while we're on this topic, I wanted to ask you about, have y'all seen 13 Reasons Why? No. Have you seen it? My daughter, I let her watch that. That's the one where the kid kills yeah. herself or something. What's your, what did your daughter say about it? Did, she, did y'all talk about it or not? Not really. I didn't want her to watch. I thought it kind of glorified suicide. But she's yeah. like, no, That's it's kind of... Yeah, I was like... Um, mm. It depends on how you look at it. Right. But, because um, I had asked actually one other friend of mine if she'd seen it. I didn't even know that she'd experienced no trauma? sexual... Yeah, the sexual oh. trauma. But okay. mm-hmm. um, I thought I could reference or <laughs> say it differently. So I brought it up to her and she said she actually did watch it. Because originally I was like... When she mentioned that, I was like, oh, then you might not want to watch it. Mm-hmm. But she said she did it. She said that it starts the conversation. So more people will maybe bring it up. Like, I kind of, I guess we wouldn't have been talking about it if I didn't ask her if she'd seen it. That's true. Um, which makes sense. But that has nothing to do with how I felt like they portrayed everything in the show. I feel like kids nowadays, mm-hmm. they're more sensitive than kids were back in the day. And I think a big reason for that is because of social media and yeah. how everybody can, you, you can record you can somebody record, doing yeah. and then it's going to be on the thing, it's going to blow up, That's and now it's going to be yeah. the, the school joke forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or stuff like that. Um, so I felt like them showing that was like one guy um, like stood her up on a date and then like basically she was like heard about it or whatever. 
um, mm-hmm. long story short, and she like was really sad and like really hurt by it. But it's like it's not. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything that was. Yeah, on the, on the on the TV show. So I just feel like if people are um, they're watching it and they're experiencing what she was experiencing, one, they're not going to know how to deal with it because the girl in the show didn't deal with it. She didn't talk to her parents. Um, at the very end, she tried to talk to the counselor about it, um, about a specific situation. There was just more. I feel like what they should have done was show her in those scenarios how to go about like things that you should do if these right. things are happening to you, not if these things are happening but to you, and just go and cry and don't talk to anybody about right. it. Like, that's right. not the right way to go about those types of situations. And to me, I don't feel I didn't feel like it taught anything. It mm-hmm. started the conversation, but I didn't feel like it was educational or helpful to people who were experiencing those things. Also, it's putting it on display, which I feel like would be worse. And, and something that I would have... That's why I looked at it. I was like, why would you watch... I think I saw like one episode, and yeah. I was like, so basically... She, did she kill herself? She did. And, they, and yeah, they the showed that in there, too. Oh, I, I didn't see. I just saw, like, kind of came downstairs, and she's watching it. Like, so it starts off with her killing herself, and all her friends are feeling this way now? Afterwards, what happened? Well, before? that's the thing. She You, you wouldn't be able to know because she wasn't expressing it at the time. Right. Which is also, like, a part of the um, the conversation. So she goes through all these things, and she does, at the end, they show her committing suicide, I think, in the very last episode. But the way, when I watched it, she basically just had something and just went like this. And I was like, if I was personally... Um, thinking about doing that or if I was in some type of situation and had thought about it before, mm-hmm. seeing that would make me think, oh, that's a lot easier than I would have thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. I was just like, this is horrible. I thought it was so bad um, and I really wish that they, even in the second season, because I watched that season two, I wish they just would have shown like they could have started some type of um, program or something for even the other kids who were still alive or whatever right. and show how Okay, now even in the school systems, this is something that we can implement to prevent yeah. these things from hap- from happening again. But it but wasn't they about like that at all. Flash the national suicide prevention thing. At yeah, the, they did that yeah. um, at the beginning. I think of every episode, like don't watch this. Right. Like, blah, 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 yeah, blah. I start changing that. Um, but yeah, that was something that they did add, but it still wasn't like I, I personally feel like it would do more harm than good. So I don't know. It was definitely um, a bold, and obviously wasn't bad for them financially but <laughs> i feel like we should do better in the world so i think this conversation is really good to have because talking about it is important dealing with it even therapy um yeah. if i if i'm just talking to i personally i'm like therapy i love to talk to people so I'm like if i could talk to somebody else let's add them into the conversation especially with somebody who can help me feel better about the way that i'm feeling but sometimes people get offended by that but right. it's not something that is something that should be taken offensively it's just like a suggestion to like help you go you know deal with what you're going through because i'm not a professional so don't ask me for help basically but But it's also something you just don't share all the time i'm pretty sure in your situation you just didn't tell everybody you told people who you probably loved and cared for like yeah this is what's going on you just I mean, if I was to come up to you, it's like, hey, I know something's going on. You'd probably be like, yeah, I'm not telling you. Yeah, you I mean, know? it depends also no. on timing in regards to, like, right. if you can't talk about it at the time. Because sometimes I'm going through things, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody, even if it's something that has nothing to do with, I don't know, I'm just having a bad day. And somebody, like, cut me off, and I'm irritated. Like, please don't talk to me right now, or I'm going to go off on you, and you're not the reason why I'm mad. So sometimes it just takes timing, things like that. But it's really important to eventually have the conversation, especially if you're feeling alone, because it's not going to yeah. help. And not also, saying anything and then being alone top of the, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, reaching out to help because there are other people who experience these things, which is why we're having the conversation today. And it isn't an easy thing to go through. So, uh, like, nobody's expecting for them to get through these things easily, you know. Right. So even if it is mentioned, well, from your experience, um, what 
what would you say that you had from when you um, talked to people about your situation or when you addressed people about it or talked to um, people? Well, there was different aspects to it. So I would talk to my, like, co-workers mm-hmm. and I wouldn't really talk to them. It was more so, like, they knew what was going on and they treated me. They were just, like, tiptoeing around me. Yeah. So it made me feel weird, obviously. And mm-hmm. then I had my uh, command and my supervisor who knew what was going on and I um, you know, my supervisor was not the nicest person. She wasn't very, uh, I don't even know. She's just cold. Mm-hmm. It's just, ugh. Um, so I really didn't, wasn't really able to open up to her either. And then I had my family, and, uh, you know, they, did, they weren't really, my mom, she told me specifically, she was like, I can't talk to you about this because of what I went through. She was mm-hmm. like, you have to find someone else to talk to about it. So I go, I'm like, oh, well, I got another parent. So I go talk to my dad, and he was like, literally verbatim and he says sorry all the time but he was like oh well shit happens that's what he said because i don't think he understood mm-hmm. and um i think now when i talk to him about things he definitely listens a lot more because he's very critical like he criticizes like everything i do and he's like oh you shouldn't have got out the military i'm like dad it wasn't my fault like i went through something like why are you not getting that so so then I had the therapist, you know, she was not that great because she didn't she didn't go through anything like what I went through. Yeah. But the the only place where I found was um somewhat safe and somewhat good to talk in was uh, group therapy. And it wasn't specifically based on sexual trauma, it was just everyone having issues in the military mm-hmm. and um but I felt good because it was like we knew not to call each other crazy. Because crazy for people who are diagnosed with, like, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Like, I don't know why females think it's cute to be called crazy. It's like, oh, I'm crazy. <laughs> like, no, it's just not, that's not cute. It's not cute. Like, there's really real crazy people out there. Like, yeah. I was legit a crazy-ass person. And I know now, like, I've learned from my behaviors through therapy, through learning uh, coping mechanisms, through learning how to not... I'm distracting myself when I'm physically or when I'm mentally hurting because the more you distract yourself, the more you're putting off all that pain. And then most of the time it comes out through your dreams, through nighttime, like I have hyperarousal. So I wake up real hard sometimes out of my sleep because of the type of dreams that I have. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous sometimes. Um, and then also, so the group therapy is great. And then also you have your uh, medication that is just horrible. I would never recommend the Can medication. Did you try that or anything? Oh, yeah, I definitely tried the medication and it was just... What was it supposed to be for? Girl, I had medication for anxiety. I had okay. medication for depression. I even had medication to forget my dreams. It was just high blood pressure medication. So in the morning, my heart was beating really fast, but still remember what the heck I dreamt about. I'm like, oh, this isn't helping me. Yeah. And the anxiety pills definitely just made me feel numb. My kids would come up and start talking mm-hmm. to me, and I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel like myself. Um, and so that those pills actually led me to be in the impatient psych ward because mm-hmm. those pills made me feel like I had no reason to be here. Like, it enhanced my already suicidal thoughts that I had yeah. because I'm like, I felt worthless. I felt like I failed as a woman, as a mom, when I let this man do, you know, what he did Mm -hmm. and so that's when you know i took those pills and i was tired of like i was getting examined examined all the time for my scars and make sure i wouldn't cut anymore so i was like you know what i'm just going to find another way to hurt myself and i'm just going to take pills so i took pills and and um they uh found me on the ground and they took me to the hospital was not expecting to get admitted were you in germany at the time too no no that was here okay yeah definitely here um and uh, I wasn't expecting to get admitted to a freaking psych ward. I was just like, oh, yeah. oh you know, just 
pump my stomach or whatever you guys are gonna do. Let me go home. I'm fine. And so no, they were like, oh, you're going upstairs. Here you go. Give me your phone. Strip naked. Now we gotta strip search you. I'm like, this is very traumatizing. It's yeah. not helping me at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like in jail basically for like four to five days, even through Mother's Day, and um, it was just crazy. And um, yeah, and then when I got out, I was treated even worse. So it's pretty bad. But sometimes I would say you always find someone that you know for a fact. You have like a list. You have a list of people that you know you can count on. Mm-hmm. And those are the people when you're feeling like upset or you're feeling anxiety or you're about to have an anxiety or panic attack. Those are the people that you know you can count on, you can call, and they'll answer. If not, there are hotlines out there that you can call. Mm-hmm. And people, it's 24-7, they'll answer. Um, I never had to call, but I know that through therapy, I've learned different ways to cope with mm-hmm. what I got going on. So I know if I'm on, if at night, I know kind of to stay off of social media because that's a distracting yeah. like factor. It's, it's literally, that's what it's doing because you need, your mind needs that time to like decompress the thoughts from the day because yeah. if not, you're just going to have a really hard time sleeping. So yeah, true. it's a lot to it and I think therapy is really very, very helpful. I, I hate that it's such a like horrible negative stigma yeah. on like mental health and getting, going to go see help. Like, Everyone needs it. Yeah. Like, you know, your family is not professionals. They're not professionals. Your friends, they don't know nothing. Y'all may get high together or something, but y'all not smart. Y'all really not. (laughs) Y'all might sound smart to each other, but y'all not smart. (laughs) You need someone who is smart and talk to that person. So, yeah. Yeah. So your suggestion would be to everyone to just find that person to talk to that's a really big help for you. Yeah. And the person that, that you're talking to does not have to be someone that's going to give you advice all the time. Yeah. Most of the time, you just need to talk and you just need to let it out. And I found that was very helpful for me. I'm like, hey, listen, I don't, I don't need you to give me advice. I just need you to listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I know a lot of the times I felt like I was a huge burden on some people, but I was also very grateful that they were there to listen. And even still, even when no one was available, I had a journal. I wrote my journal. Mm-hmm. And I would write my journal the next morning. I'm like, oh, this is this is negative. And I would just tear it up and throw it away. And like I'm like it was to me like a physical yeah. you know, thing of me throwing away those feelings or whatever. And I would learn to do positive self-talk. It's very important because no one else loves you more than you. And it was very helpful to have those positive affirmations every single day. Mm-hmm. So you just surround your people with like-minded, like, positive energy. I've had to cut friends off. I've cut friends off because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's just like, I can't, I'm not dealing with this with you. Like, yeah. you are bringing this, isn't making it worse. Yeah. You know, my friend was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to testify for you. This is so weird. I'm like, bitch, what? Shut up. It's going there. She was the one who was saying all that crazy. weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. So um, you just have to know who's real. I know it's hard. You know, but yeah. you have to know who's real and who you can really depend on. So with um, with the program that you're starting, do you know how that's going to work and everything already? Like, I'm assuming that you're going to have group discussions, things like that? Yeah, so the, the uh, nonprofit that I want to start, have you ever been to, like, an AA meeting? No, I've seen it in movies. I don't know if that's the same thing. Have you been to an AA meeting? <laughs> <laughs> no. Have no. you been to an AA meeting? Probably not. I don't drink. It doesn't. You don't have to drink to go to an AA meeting. No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't supported anyone. No. Okay, well, I've been to I've an seen AA the meeting. movies too. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well, too, when right. you go to an AA meeting, okay, Alcoholic Anonymous. <laughs> right. Um, it was. At, I went with my father actually, because um, my family are alcoholics. Anyways, um, 
and we went to the church and you don't have to write your name down there's no obligation to come back next week or anything like that it was just a bunch of people just sitting down and just talking about what they were going through um with like either if they were struggling with alcohol or if they were having cravings if they were sober whatever mm-hmm. It was a group of like the same type of people, people. with the same issue. Mm-hmm. And so my nonprofit, I wanted to be very similar. I don't want people to feel like they have to write their name down anywhere because it's already enough to be like, you know, I just went through this crazy thing, especially as a man. It's like, I just went through this thing and I don't know what to do. It's like, this is somewhere you can come. You don't have to write your name. You don't have to come back if you don't want to. If you want to talk to a licensed therapist, there's that person there for you. If you want to talk in a group setting, you got that. If you if you want to learn different coping mechanisms, different ways to like go about your day without having like anxiety or like, I mean, you can't avoid anxiety, but there's ways to like help with the negative thoughts. And it's called step points, basically. And you can help with... Um, working through your stuck points or whatever throughout the day so um that's where i would like to start it as mm-hmm. and i don't really like it's i can have like a donated space for that but eventually i would like for it to be where hotels would donate their rooms for people who's gone through what i've gone through yeah. i felt very safe in that hotel because i know that the hotel was under a chaplain's name and he had no idea that's where i was because he mm-hmm. was trying to find me mm-hmm. so i was just like well, that's good. I feel somewhat safe. Yeah. Um, so I would like for that program, for my program to um, have hotels donated and eventually apartments. I'm a part of a program now. It's called Operation Homefront. Um, I live in an apartment in Stone Oak and it's uh, free um, for eight months. All bills are paid. I even got a house phone, girl, you know, <laughs> um, and the Internet's paid for everything's paid for. It. And it's donated really for um, transitioning active duty uh, military members to uh, civilian life. Mm -hmm. So they give you the apartment to help you save up money, even though I'm really bad at that. They really didn't do that, but whatever. but it's like if there's a program for that, why if, why can't there be something like that for women who have their kids and maybe they have an issue that they, they are trying to get out of a situation, but they mm-hmm. can't because they don't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would like in the near future. And yeah. it's going to be great. It is. It sounds great. So with, can I ask a question? Is that allowed? Yeah, you can so, ask a question. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm asking. So with the things that you've gone through, and this is a dating podcast this is a dating mm-hmm. podcast right how's how has that affected you with dating that's a good question actually that is a very good question man let me tell you to take over this so real quick this is Tristan <laughs> single AF 101 <laughs> um it's definitely affected me with dating uh a lot actually because certain things trigger me um I can give you an example there was a guy and he made like a rape joke I hate rape jokes because of what I've been through. And that's not the only thing I went through. I've been through some shit, you know, in my life. But I just choose not to bring it up all the time. Um, And so when I told him that, I was like, listen, hey, um, I went through this, this, and this. And I told him, you know, I sat him down. I told him why it bothered me because I was taught always to speak about your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And he was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And then, you know, a few days later, it was the same thing. I'm like, you know what? Oh, yeah, did it again? Yeah. It wasn't the same same exact joke. But it was like similar. But it was very similar. Yeah. And that's just how he is. That's just how he talks. And I'm like, well, you're just not someone that I can, you know, date or whatever. And then it's like. I try my best to like be open to everyone at all times. It's very hard, very, very hard. Um, but whenever something happens, I try and give them the benefit of doubt. Um, 
and just explain to them where I'm coming from, how I'm feeling, whatever. I remember this one guy I was dating, he literally, like, we were just chilling on the couch, and I look over, and his penis is in my face. No like, way. Would you sit down? Like, oh what are you gosh. doing? It was so bad. He I was can't. like, oh, I just wish. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, do you, and guys I mean, just. It's ridiculous sometimes. I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I can't deal with this. So, you know, I, I definitely am. I've been ready to slap him and all that. I don't know. Nah. You know, he definitely left. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't talk to him anymore to this day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, for me, it's because I've been having, like, horrible luck with dating and, ha- and yeah. my, like, my mental. Like, I just feel like I'm a lot to handle because of what I went through mm-hmm. and I feel like I come with like a lot of mental baggage that a guy would have to like be prepared to take care of not take care of but be able to understand mm-hmm. um but I also feel like my therapy and everything that I've been going through it helps me with with that I guess in a way it's like mm-hmm. I know that everyone's not perfect I know that's why yeah. I talk to them. Yeah. But um, if you're just going to continue to be, like, blatantly disrespectful, then, you know, I'm just oh, like, yeah. that's regardless of my mental health. Like, get the fuck out. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, it's definitely affected dating in probably negative ways. So Yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I, dating is just not easy, but I can only imagine how difficult it would be if there was, you know, other things to address. You know what I mean? My thing when you talk about dating, I, like I, I follow you on social media. It's, I could if, like literally all the stuff you're telling me, I, I'm like, I wouldn't know this. I honestly, and now like with dating, you have to now with, you know, the Me Too movement and everything. Like guys are more reluctant anyway. Well, I'm not gonna say all guys, mm-hmm. but most guys are kind of like, all right. Yeah, yeah. How do oh, I no. approach this? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Or in your case. Just pulling the penis out. Well, um, that's not normal anyway. But well, I, know, I, know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. You know, pull your pants up and go. I get yeah. it. But now it's it's even. I'm not saying it's harder. It's just I guess you have to be. You have to think about everything. Like, not to say that I've done this. Like, you go to a bar or something, just you know, pat somebody on the ass. Like, you know, normal. That's like yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like that's why we need to have the conversation because more people need to be aware of this. And women, too, because women will go up and be touching people. I don't know they feel impressed I mean, just touching people's junk and stuff like that. That's not that? okay because you don't... Do that? you don't describe titties. That's still not... Oh, okay. It's <laughs> like, uh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this happen. I mean, it's not very common. So guys slapping girls in the butt is way more common. But the point is, well, you can't just do that to anybody because then when they get mad, then you want to get mad and you want to act like you want to fight some girl, whatever. And I actually uh, almost fought this dude. This guy was probably like six, seven, probably like 300 pounds. He was huge. I was pissed because he was like, he was, there was a group of us and he was just standing there and he was being real like creepy trying to dance with us. And I kept trying to tell him like, we're not interested. Like, we need to move. It got to the point to where I was like in his face yelling and we were like arguing that security had to come and everything. But I'm like, you need to back up. But my thing is, I've, I don't think, let me say, that I've ever gone through a, um, something traumatic enough to, um, honestly, I probably didn't handle that situation the best. He pissed me off. But if I, but he didn't know my experiences, right? Right. So sure. it could have been because of something like that. So when guys sure. are walking around slapping girls on the butt and they react the way they do, it might not just be because they don't want you touching them, which is reason that's good enough. But right. it could be because of other things, things that they've experienced. That's but that's a really, that's a really simple thing that happens all the time. That is a bigger issue because of things that people go through. But what I was actually going to say earlier was you mentioned, or we're talking about how difficult it is dating people with. Um, 
with baggage, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we can. I don't like that word because it's had a negative. Yeah, because everybody. Yeah, it's like it. baggage. But what does that it's mean? just like it's more so experiences like, than right, like yeah, baggage. Like, What's baggage? Like, what does that mean? Like, everybody has baggage. You were born. Like, you have something that your life didn't wasn't one hundred percent right. Something went wrong where <laughs> yeah. it affected you in this day. That's why it's really difficult because people want to walk around and act like they're okay all the time, which is kind of a part of the issue, also. Because yeah, that's true. Cause even me, and this is something that I actually want to discuss in um, the mental health episode. But um, something that I realized with that situation that I told you about earlier. Um, what was the situation? Know? Simple, okay. Since <laughs> we talking about, I was like, hey, don't we can't sit in this room and talk. You like, we talking about girls? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I basically there was a guy, <laughs> and we we hung out one time. Nothing. We, we didn't have sex or anything like that. We kissed. Whatever. It wasn't like deal. They moving that fast now? Or? I, she said oh, no. She I said we didn't. Have Why do you have to go straight to that? Like we just hung out. Like because just to just to be specific, because people ah. will assume. Um, so anyway, so we hung out and actually really liked him, right? Okay. And that it's kind of like we just had this connection that just clicked like right away. And it doesn't happen that frequently with okay. people. You be you be trying to sort you know swipe left everybody. So in person, I went to swipe right. <laughs> so whatever. So I had told him that I liked him, and then he acted all weird or whatever um, about me. Like it wasn't it wasn't nothing that was a big deal. It was just mm-hmm. like wow, like I actually like you, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just didn't respond after that. And I haven't talked to him since he went to freaking try to, whatever, we're not going to be specific just in case he listens to the episode. <laughs> anyway. Um, but my thing was, I, oh it made God. me feel like, automatically made me feel like I wasn't good enough. And I know that that's not the case because he doesn't know me. Like, I'm right. fully aware of that. But it made me feel like, this is why I don't want to do this because this is the same thing that happens every single time. Um, as soon as I start liking somebody, like, it literally was like, um, even yesterday I was driving the car, I was giving me anxiety. Because and it's just not it's not this one situation. I know I probably sound crazy, but this is something that I'm dealing with. Just, People I will. I didn't. I did not use the word crazy. I did not use the word crazy. But the thing is, the reason why I'm deciding to mention it because I know that other people are dealing with it too. And right. it's just like we feel like we're crazy because we feel like this is everybody else but, deals with okay, things perfectly. But so he just didn't like you. That's no, not crazy. So, no, it's not that he didn't like It was her. the anxiety that I got from liking not, his, from just, no, just from, oh, liking just from somebody liking him. in general. Yeah, and then the response that like, I didn't get technically. 21 questions about yourself and what's going on. That's what Yeah, happens. and even if he did respond, it's still like thoughts in my head like, okay, well, you know, if this does work out, is it going to end? How bad am I going to be hurt? Do I really want to actually give myself to somebody? Yeah, and how, how many times did you hang out sex? Uh, yeah. And how long did you hang out with this guy? We hung out one time. This is the problem. That and you thought about all of that. That's my point. That's the point. Jesus. Yeah. So, the, no, my, but my point in regards to helping you hopefully understand what I'm trying to say is that it's not because of him. It was right. because of other situations that I've been in. Gotcha. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you about other relationships that I had, why they didn't work out, and the reason why I gotcha. feel the way I do about relationships or talking to anybody now. But it's just like nobody, until I mentioned it on this podcast, and to whoever's listening, whoever's not listening would never guess that that was something that I dealt with just by liking somebody, which right. is simple. So um, my thing with my whole point in saying all that was um, with Shalanda or Lonnie, you like yeah, um, when it's hard to talk to people when you feel like they aren't dealing with something too, but everybody is, but not everybody wants to admit it. Because I didn't want to admit it just now, mm. but you made me. I mean, you didn't make me, but you, you opened me up to do it, which I'm glad that you did because it was something that I feel like I should um, talk about. But either way, that's why being more open and having the conversation is important, not for me, but for other people who are listening who are right. dealing with the same thing. So with me, I'll just like turn on my gospel music and be like, girl, you know, just, I mean, not that I'm going to feel better in that instance, but 
if I allow myself just time, mm-hmm. it, I'm not even going to be thinking about it later. And right. I'm just going to be over it and it's just going to be what it is. But that's something that I had to deal with. And also, when you were talking about anxiety, I get anxiety too. Mm-hmm. So not for the same reason. I'm claustrophobic or something. Because <laughs> I get anxiety um, on airplanes. But I travel all the time. Um, I was on the track team. So I traveled for four years constantly on mm-hmm. airplanes all the time. Um, but still, I get anxiety. But I finally have gotten to a place to where I don't. But... It's just all about my mindset in regards right. to it. Yeah. But it's really just so simple things that... And I'm looking around on this plane like, nobody else was bothered. Why am I bothered? You know what I mean? Like, they're over here chilling, watching their movie, talking on the phone, texting, whatever. But I'm sitting here bothered. But I can say that to myself because I look just as normal as they do. That doesn't mean that there, there's not no, somebody else in that space same, that's also bothered. Same space. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So... Um, Definitely coping mechanisms, talking about it. Because, like, like you said, like if I'm starting to feel that way, I'm getting on an airplane, I'll call my sister. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, look, I'm about to get on this airplane. I need you to pray for me, something. And it always makes me feel better. Right. Um, just because she's going to tell me things that, uh, even if I told myself, I'm not necessarily going to believe it um, when I say it. So having conversations, I think, is very helpful as well. But we've been talking for almost an hour now, so we can wrap it up. Do you have any last things that y'all want to say you go first Tristan. like you just said I, I wouldn't have known the things about Lonnie if I, I see something totally different like socially mm-hmm. and I mean if I've ever like said something done something I'm apologizing <laughs> like I'm being serious because you, that's what I'm saying you laugh but I'm being serious that's I've never I don't think I don't think I ever have but I'm saying I have but I'm just saying if I said something joked anything like but I would never know, just because the way you are publicly is totally different. Like, I mean, it took me quite some time to get to right, and yeah, like I said, I did not know this. Like, I was sitting here like, oh, what the hell? Like, I I would not have known that. So, you have much strength because I know I'd be like, I'd be somewhere on an island somewhere, just like on oh, the island, excluded, but. Um, with what you said, I think that's important to keep in mind, um, men and women both, when just be, not that you necessarily need to be like sensitive, but you can't just make jokes about anything or assume that um, if somebody does get offended by something that you said that they're wrong or that they're crazy because of the way they, re- they reacted, yeah, yeah. when you have no idea the details behind the situation that they may have gone through to make them react that way. People don't react you know, quote-unquote no crazy. Yeah, just because. There's usually a reason for it. Yeah, there's usually a reason. And if they, even if they don't feel like discussing it, it's not something that is your place to um, to judge or criticize over. But that's my point on what you said. So you well, to piggyback off that, I think it's important to realize, like, for people who have anxiety, depression, PTSD, like I said earlier, no one's perfect. Um, the thing is that you want to remember is that if someone does say something, say a a joke or whatever that they don't mean or that they said and it offended you, give them the opportunity to explain to them why it was an offensive joke. If they want to continue with it, then that's on them. But at least you said your piece because I know for me that it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And no, you haven't said anything because you barely talked to me. But anyways, um, (laughs) my my wrapping up thing here is... uh, I just feel like it's very important to talk about whatever you got going on. I have um, 
I never, like you said earlier, how you never had anyone really close to you pass away. I didn't either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but I did have a friend who, he was so happy all the time. He was like the life of the party. He was like my big brother. I'd known him for years. And he just got a new job in Florida. And then the next day, like, he just blew his brains out. Oh, wow. To this day, nobody knows why. So, for me, it's always, always check on your friends. They may seem happy. They may seem like they got everything going on. Their social media posts be popping or whatever. But you don't know what's going on deep down inside that person. So it's always important to reach out. I will always ask my friends, hey, you doing okay? You all right? Anything you talk about? No? You sure? Okay. <laughs> Let's keep moving. So, you know, it's always good to be, to have that person to listen, but it's always good to be the person that listens. So mm-hmm. that's my spiel. Alrighty. Well, thank y'all for joining me yes. on this lovely Thank you for evening. having us. No problem. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Single AF 101, a dating podcast for everyone.
Let's make it go.